It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. He's earned decades of Wall Street success, a lifelong student of the market who learned to navigate the world of finance with unshaking confidence, an underdog who achieved the American dream. Now the Fox Business host is sharing all his investing wisdom with you on Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. Joining me today is my colleague, co-host of the Big Money Show on Fox Business, Taylor Riggs, to talk about what's next. The financial world is constantly changing, crypto, AI, you name it. So we explain how the latest industrial revolution is not only shaking up the world, but the stock market and how you can benefit from it. By now, you've heard quite a bit about Fox Business's very own Charles Payne. Listeners have gotten the chance to hear a bit more about his incredible book, Unstoppable Prosperity. But today we want to look forward. What's coming next? At times, the future can feel just as unpredictable as the market. But when you know it as well as experts like Charles, navigating your financial future doesn't have to feel so intimidating. We're looking ahead to the latest market trends, how people can avoid getting burned when investing their money, and what has changed in everything from portfolios to, yes, cryptocurrency. Charles Payne, there are a million ways to go with you. I want to go back to 2020, peak COVID, the takeaway travel, the takeaway gyms, we're all trapped at home. And then we all start getting invested in the markets. We're opening right. up Robinhood accounts, Schwab, Fidelity, you name it. A lot of people got excited, but there are still a lot of people still on the sidelines who are intimidated and they don't know where to start. What do you tell those people who come to you and they say, I want to be in, I see my friends in the market, it looks easy, but I'm scared and I don't know what I'm doing? Well, I'll go back a little bit then, back to 2020, because uh, it was an interesting time in a sense also that we sparked what, I, what I'm calling the new investor revolution. And a whole lot of newbies, particularly young investors, Gen, Gen Z, uh, young millennials, they got involved in the stock market. Uh, and it was intriguing because I think it was not just the stock market. I think people in general woke up and said, I need better control of my life. Yeah. We ran out of preservative jars in this country. Mm -hmm. People wanted to make their own preservatives. Mm -hmm. People wanted to know how to fix an engine. People wanted to know how to build a house. If you see the things, look at the do-it-yourself stuff, the do-it-yourself stores. They went crazy. Yeah. People wanted to learn how to control their lives because they felt like they had lost complete control. And that included investing. Yeah. So that was great. I love it. I've been a Pied Piper of people getting in the stock market uh, virtually my entire adult life. The only problem with it, though, was a sort of a get-rich-quick feel. Yes. And we know how that is. Initially, those kind of things can be self-fulfilling if enough people do it. But at some point, the music stops, and then the reality sets in. My motto has always been time in the market, not timing the market. Because if you try to time it, I hate to break it to you. Goldman's going to kick your butt every second of the day, right? So it is time in the market. Is is that? Are you a believer in that? I, I'm a believer in it, but with a caveat. Uh, you know, these millennials, uh, these Gen Zers, their parents did that, what you talked about. And their parents bought blue chip stocks. Their parents bought IBM. They bought Chevron. They bought AT&T. Mm -hmm. uh, they bought a lot of stocks. They put a lot of money into it, and they said that this would take care of juniors' uh, college education. 
Well, it didn't. All those stocks went down over the next 20 years and stayed down. So time in the market with the bluest of blue chips was an absolute bust. And so when Wall Street would criticize these young folks for, for mm. buying so-called meme stocks, they were like, well, hey, listen, mom and dad listened to you. And they've had time in the market. They bought blue chip stocks and they got creamed. So, yeah, I think for me, investing is a lifelong uh, journey. Mm-hmm. It's a lifelong endeavor. It's a lifelong journey of, of, of trying to, you know, make more money, but also of education. You know, one of the things I try not to do is I, I never try to, you know, I'm an expert kind of thing. I always want to be a student of the market. Mm-hmm. So with, with, that in the case, with that being said, yeah, this is not fly by night. You want to be committed to this. You really want to be committed to this because there will be peaks and valleys along the way. And, and the ironic thing, of course, is, and we know like sort of the Warren Buffett theories, you want to actually be more aggressive during the valleys yes. when it feels tougher, when everyone's crying, when uh-huh. everyone's screaming, or as, as Buffett would say, when there's blood in the street. So it is a lifelong venture, but the notion of set it and forget it, I think that's been overplayed. And in fact, I've done a lot of research on this, and I've read a lot of research that's been done on it, and only a handful of stocks have actually gone up a lot. Over time, and it's usually a handful of stocks going back to the 1920s mm-hmm. that leads the market higher. Now, those handful change periodically, but it's really intriguing. I want to talk about the peaks and the troughs right now. Some would argue now, you know, mid second quarter, third quarter 2023, it's a peak. Yes, the economy is slowing, but the market is on a tear. Do you take profits or do you stay invested? The courage to stay invested when Nvidia is up. X percent, right. uh, mind-blowing, shocking, eye-watering numbers. I, you know, what's funny about that is I, I have all these experts who come on my show. They come on your show. And Wall Street, uh, I never would buy a stock with a P.E. above 20. <laughs> I'd never buy a stock with a P.E. above 25. Well, that means you'll never own a stock with a P.E. of 60. Right. <laughs> right. you got to buy the 20 <laughs> on the way to 60, yeah. right? And when you're up 100%, how do you get the stocks to go up 400% if you don't hold them when you're up 100%? Uh, listen, I have a three-pronged approach. I believe in fundamental, technical, and behavioral analysis. And you can buy a stock at $100 that goes to 200 and if And if the company is executing, it could actually be cheaper at right. 200 than it was at 100 So there's no steadfast rule per se. I'm never, I've never, 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 never 100% in cash. Uh, again, you know, we both have the experts and they're nimble. One day they're all in and one day they're all out. People listening to this, it's just unrealistic to have a, an ordinary life. Uh, and no matter how much passion you have about this to say, I'm going to get all in or all out. Can you explain cash to people? So uh, when we grew up um, hearing our grandparents in the 20s putting cash under the mattress because they didn't trust the banks. In 2008, we lost everything in the stock market. Our parents lost our homes. So they hoard cash. But when inflation is three, four, five percent, you are losing money by holding cash. What is the trade-off, though, for the security that we all want with cash, king dollar, versus the understanding the analysis that you are losing money on an after-inflation basis? Well, inflation erodes the value of cash, uh, and and that being said, if you go back, I guess to the 1920s, you can argue that the value of the dollar is down 90 percent. But the flip side of that is the value of all the other currencies in the world also down 90%. So 
it doesn't necessarily feel like we've lost purchasing power per se. Remember, we went 40 years without any sort of inflation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you want to put money to work to keep you ahead of inflation, but inflation hasn't been that crazy. And if it means sleeping at night, that's fine uh, to be in cash. But you don't want to become a situation where, again, you become complacent or it just allows you an excuse, okay, I'm still worried, I'm still afraid, so I'm going to stay in cash. Because to your point, cash, the value of cash erodes over time. But periodically, if you want to have more cash than normal, because you're going through a period of uncertainty, uh, then that's probably the right thing to do. I adjust my cash levels all the time. I just have never gone 100% into Mm -hmm. cash. The age-old theory is the 60-40 portfolio. I grew up and everyone said 60% equities, 40% bonds, you can't go wrong. And as you go older, reduce equity and increase the safe assets like bonds. But is the death of 60-40 really here? I think so. Why? I think so as a steadfast rule. Uh, We know 60-40 was annihilated in 2020. Uh, We know that bonds are having a difficult time in 2023 Uh, for a couple of reasons. And I would, uh, the Federal Reserve put out a great paper in June that talked about this sort of uh, the last 40 years, where ironically we had a 40 year bond market rally. Two things happened that are going to be hard to duplicate over the next 40 years. Interest rates came down dramatically, dramatically, and corporate tax rates came down dramatically. That added a lot more money to cash flow and the bottom line. So you got really fat earnings because of that. Uh, you know, there's not a lot more room on the downside uh, for interest rates. They could, you know, listen, they bounced uh, recently, but then they may go back down to recent lows, but they're not going to go from where they were in 1980, you know, all the way down for 40 years. And it's, it's really unlikely that corporate tax rates will ever get this low again. So I'm, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the 60-40 portfolio. Also, as people, we live differently. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, people were 65. They get a rocking chair, a porch, mm-hmm. you know. And now 65 is when life begins. <laughs> it is. You know, uh, I'm working on my new book, and we're actually cleaning it up, you know, doing all the editing and stuff. And I have a whole chapter devoted to Warren Buffett, the OG. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. original OG, right? And he's always been known for hating technology. Okay. So anyway, he finally meets Steve Jobs and... He's won over. Okay, his first technology stock. He buys uh, Apple. You know how old, old he was when he bought Apple? 85 years old. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah, and over the next seven years. So it went old up, dogs can learn new tricks. And, and not only that, though, over the next seven years, it went up 500%. Amazing. Not counting the dividend, fat dividend checks he gets over like a couple hundred million a year. So the point here is that people are engaged yeah. like never before. And people want to do things. And it's hard to... If, you know, if you if you want to put your cash flow on neutral, then you know, are you going to put your plans to go to Rome this year and there and next year or the ski lot? So you know, people stay more actively involved, and I think it's a brilliant idea. I want to talk about engagement on a different level. Uh, women in the workforce coming back. We are learning that women are closing the wage gap that used to exist between men and women. Women are running household budgets. Women are doing grocery shopping. They're doing childcare. They are running the fi- more and more often than not now starting to run the financials. What do you make about women who are now sort of in it and they want to learn? Maybe they don't have the traditional expertise, but 
if women are running budgets of these households, how do you also then get them informed and involved? Like we said, old dogs can learn new tricks. That could be a whole new emerging group of investors with tons of money that they want to put to work. Yeah. I, I find that the, you know, I've had my own business, my own stock market research business for closing in on four decades. Don't age yourself. And, I, and um, I find that women are far better investors than men anyway, mm. intuitively. Uh, and maybe it's those things that you listed that they have to do anyway. And you know, it's sort of like when these economists come out and say so-and-so is happening. It's like people know already. And then, and then the, in the household, the, the, you know, the women always know. Like, oh, I could have told you that six months ago. You could have. I knew when my cereal prices were up a year ago, Charles. <laughs> right. You know to tell me that last month. <laughs> right. So I think it's wonderful. I think, uh, and, I, and I think your point is, is uh, you know, if you look at the ra- ratio of now women in college versus men, uh, the women who've graduated from college in recent years, they're, they're now they're on the ladder. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start to see so many women uh, become the CEOs of companies and take over. In fact, the, the real crisis we have in our country is a crisis of young men, to be quite frank with you, you know, yeah. um, which is not unusual. The, it's the same crisis began 20 years ago in Japan, uh, where they call them grass eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, it's happening, even though President Xi is trying his best not to make it happen. Um, so it's it's a chronic problem around the world, and a lot of it will have to do with traditional occupations like construction and things like that uh, that are going to be limited in this new world where robots and, and 3D printing and all that comes into, into play. But I love the idea of women getting involved in the stock market on a more on a more aggressive basis. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. You mentioned uh, technology. AI has been a huge blowout technology that I think we just all blew up in the last six months. I mean, we weren't even really thinking. Companies weren't even talking about AI on their quarterly earnings calls pretty much until January when all of this sort of blew up. Does that change the market? Does that change productivity of employers and then therefore boost the bottom line? We've talked about NVIDIA. Um, You know, how do you think about folding in AI and emerging technologies into the way we invest and think about profitability of these companies? Well, there's a couple of things. We're in the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution. So AI is a component of that, but it will be so many other things that will life will look different in in, in 10 years uh, from here. It's it's a it's an interesting thing. I was looking at something recently about um, the, the third industrial revolution was around the PC. And there's evidence that it did nothing for productivity. Because <laughs> <laughs> so are we all just playing video games? <laughs> so I, I guess that's it. But the great promise of AI is to, to bring back productivity. Because Alan Greenspan used to call talk about the productivity miracle. That, By the way, that's where quality of life changes And we for should everyone. just remind viewers, he was the former Federal Reserve Chairman. Right, former Federal Reserve Chairman. And he talked about the, the productivity miracle. Uh, and the ability to get more output from a, a single minute or hour of work. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's great hope that the hopes that AI will be able to do that. Um, and we'll see. And the companies that are able to, to implement AI and, and, and make those differences on their bottom lines, those stocks are going to be rewarded. I think, though, we're going to go through a couple of phases with them. Uh, some of the big names that we know now we will go through the hype phase, okay. which we're in the middle of right now. 
Then we'll go through the phase where they don't live up to the hype. Like, okay, you know, we thought the earnings would be this, mm-hmm. and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those slumps can last a year. Sometimes they can last a whole lot longer. Okay. And NVIDIA, ironically enough, is one of my case studies in the book. Uh, but it wasn't AI. It was just the fact that NVIDIA was considered just a brilliant company for a long time. I think it was 2006, January 2006, cover of Forbes magazine, the company of the year. They they declared it January. Which, this is the company oh of the no, year. NVIDIA. Usually being on the cover of Forbes is not a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not good. Not. Sam Bankman Freed and Elizabeth Holmes yeah, were on the cover. Yeah, but at least NVIDIA is a real company, right? <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, the stock promptly adjusted for splits, went from $12 to $1 and stayed there okay. for like five or six, seven okay. years. Then it went up 40,000%. Amazing. Yeah. So this is about 17 morals of that story, but, uh, there's always a hype phase Okay. and it's hard to live up to the hype phase and then you get hit and then a lot of investors get discouraged like, ah, it was just a hype phase. And then comes the reality where it starts to be reflected on the balance sheets, the income statements, the cash flow statements. And again, so I think we'll go through all of that. So for me, AI right now, if you're just centered on that, be very nimble. Okay. Uh, But later on, keep it on your screens because it's going to be something you're going to want to buy and own for a long time after the first bust. Another boom bust, cryptocurrencies. Uh, A lot has been made about Bitcoin, but then there are two tiers below that. Ethereum, all of these other tokens, a lot of viewers say, I don't understand the technology. And you talk about Warren Buffett. I don't want to invest in something I don't understand. Now we're hearing conversations. Maybe there's a spot Bitcoin ETF coming to market. Are are ETFs a way for people who are worried but want to dabble in it the appropriate way so I don't have to then log on to Coinbase and buy a Bitcoin if I don't know how to do that? Well, it's a tough one. That's a great question. Um, You know, when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was a long time ago. And my office used to be next to a guy named John Stossel, uh, a natural-born curmudgeon, (laughs) anti-establishment guy. Uh, and, And those are the first people who believed in Bitcoin. Uh, you know, you get away from fiat currency, you don't have to worry about governments, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he used to talk to me and his assistants used to say, you got to buy the Bitcoin. So I studied it. The Bitcoin. You got to buy it. <laughs> and I and I and I just there was one part of it that always bothered me. And that was this foolproof uh, program that I put together by some anonymous guy. And there would only be a limited, I think, was it 22 million Bitcoin ever uh, put out there. And that's sort of the supply and demand thing that a lot of people base evaluation in the future on. I just never believed that, you know, that was it's not impossible to hack that or something. So I, I never really I never bought it based on that. Later on I, I opened an account with Coinbase. I put a hundred grand in. Okay. So I bought fifty thousand Bitcoin. Okay. And I was saving fifty thousand for the crappiest coin I could find. <laughs> so because here's I wanted to buy something that at point zero 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 one. Okay. And then it goes to a quarter, and I make a gazillion dollars. Well said. All right. The only problem, though, is that it, it never stops trading, right? Like our market opens and closes. I know. I know that I would be asleep. It would go from zero 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 point, you know, point zero 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 one to two dollars. I'd be asleep, and then we'd go all the way back right. by the time I woke up. Because it's happening at two a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, I still. By the way, that was a couple of years ago. I still have the other fifty grand in the Coinbase account. Um, so here's here's the here's the thing. I think there's a role for Bitcoin. 
I think a part of that is underscored by the rush by uh, governments to form these digital currencies. Okay. Uh, in America, we're going to have it rammed down our throats real soon. We've mm-hmm. gone through this sort of quiet period where you send in comments. Uh, you know, it's called central bank digital currencies. Uh, and uh, I, they, they want to usurp the excitement over digital currency. But the reason people want digital currencies is because they don't want central banks involved. They don't want governments involved. And I, I just I cannot see any government in the world allowing uh, a digital currency to to take away, a, you know, a big chunk of what I don't know what they would do to out, you know, short of outlawing it. Uh, as far as the other tiers below Bitcoin, and I've read some good things on Ethereum, but I'm not a. Uh, I'm not expert enough to say I would buy it or own it. You know, right. it's so funny. Um, uh, I saw there's an actor who just came out with an anti-crypto book, right? So everyone's got opinions, right, right. on this thing. Uh, it's 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 you have to label it high risk right now, and and that means uh, whatever you put in there, I would say be, be prepared, prepared to, to lose. Lose, right? Well Unlike a stock, if you buy stock in most companies, uh, especially you know. S and P five hundred companies. The odds it's, of them it's going unlikely. to zero, or right? Not. It's unlikely okay. they'll go to zero. We're running out of time. I want to end with rapid fire round uh, with you. Three questions. What is the biggest question that your audience and your viewers are asking you right now? What is on their mind? The biggest question is everyone's worried about the Federal Reserve. Okay, uh, just too much power, mm-hmm. too influential. Uh, you know, will they? Well, you know, a lot of people are upset that they have this much power. Uh, also, you know, if they make a mistake, we all pay for it. Our portfolios pay for it. Our livelihoods pay for it. So I would say it's it's amazing. Uh, no one really talked about the Fed 20 years ago. Now everybody knows about the Fed. Nobody yep. likes it. <laughs> Second question. Um, when you think about the rest of 2023 after a huge market rally, what are you most excited for in the second half of this year as well? Well, here's the thing. I don't like to look at the market on a yearly basis. I think that's a marketing scheme designed by Wall Street. Uh, and it's, and it's, here's, here's what happens. Let's say you're a portfolio manager and you buy XYZ at 100 bucks in 2000. And it goes to, from 200 bucks, it goes to 100 bucks at the end of the year. But the next year, it goes from 100 to 50. Well, your brochure is going to say, I'm up 50% this year in XYZ, although you're still down big time and you've held it for two years. Well said. I just think, make it linear. Okay. I mean, there are some things that happen, and we, 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 you know, we have to talk about it sometimes in that way. But don't get caught up in trying to turn this into a baseball season or a basketball season. It's not. And the reality is, I don't care what happens this second half of 2023. I'm in this. We talked about it earlier for the long run. Yeah. You know what? Positions I have go back. Some go back a year. Some go back 10, 15 years. So it's linear. Try to think a little bit more linear. This way, you don't force yourself to make mistakes about, you know, making this more of short-termism than it has to be. And that being said, I just go with this. I think the market remains relatively strong. Final question. We're going to end on a down note. I didn't no, mean we're to not. do this to No, you. we're not. What keeps you <clears throat> up at night? Um, the things I worry about are mostly non-market related, to be quite frank with you. The direction of the country, okay. my children, my grandchildren, mm-hmm. um, uh, that that's what I'm most concerned about. My biggest thing I want to I want to have an impact on in my life is education in America. So that's my those are projects I'm working on that I hope uh, one day I'll step away from what I'm doing actively and be able to go into that 100. percent And that's what keeps me up. Well, you promised you wouldn't end us on a down note, and you delivered. <laughs> well said, Charles Thanks Payne. A lot. Thank you, and uh, what a pleasure. You're fantastic. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this series and don't forget to rate and review. And keep listening so I can help put you on the path to unstoppable prosperity now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.